There's more ways a seller benefits in creative finance than a seller benefits with cash. That that convenience and speed has to be worth a lot. Otherwise, it isn't the best deal for the seller. You stop asking, why would a seller do seller finance? And you go, why wouldn't a seller do seller finance? <laughs> Guys, welcome back to another video in the creative finance series. Pace, this is so fun. We're going to be knocking out a whole bunch more videos. Add those to the playlist. I, I mean, we're going to have like 100 videos in here at no, in no time flat. Yeah, the more videos we do, the more gray hair we're going to have. You guys will have to like see how we age over time. It'll be great. <laughs> no, because we're, we're not going to do them before too long. We're going to keep doing them you know, regularly. But in this video and what we've been doing today here in the studio is really trying to go through and look at all of the questions and the comments we've gotten on the previous videos in the series. And on this particular video, there's a, a question that uh, is very common and it comes from, I think, a real lack of understanding about what creative is in the first place. But it's this question around why would a seller agree to subject to or seller finance? Why would they why would that be a good move for a seller to do that, right? And so, I mean, I don't think you can really get into creative finance and be very effective at it if you aren't able to put yourself in a seller's shoes and really understand why this can be such a win, why this is such a benefit to them. In real estate, our job is to solve problems, right? So if we do this correctly, we win, they win, everybody comes out elevated better and and it's just a better world for everybody. That's our goal, right? With this, Jerry, what what are the reasons why somebody would sell to you? Well, on yeah, finance? I think I think the you know let's take a step back, maybe look from the thirty thousand foot view down. But you know you're going to run into situations where you have a seller, and they want to sell their property, and the 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 low cash offer isn't the right solution for them. At the same time, that's like the bottom, right? Of if you look at like a spectrum, that's like the bottom. That fits a certain type of person and it's the best solution for a certain type of person in distress. Yeah. And then you have all the way up to the top, which is retail, where they, they don't need to sell, they want to sell, and they want the highest price the market will pay for their property. So we have like low, low cash down here and retail top value that the market will pay up here. Not motivated, super motivated. But then there's this whole world that exists in between where maybe this one's not working, doesn't work for them, it's not solving their problem for certain reasons, and this one down here isn't solving their problems. Yeah. So they're, they're sort of like outside of these two categories that most people are familiar with. Why would a seller, why would it not fit down here and not fit up here, and why is there this in-between space that can fit for creative finance? Yeah, so I, I would tell you the number one reason why a seller would sell on seller finance or creative finance, let's say. Seller finance is essentially just a big umbrella, right? Creative finance is the same umbrella. Seller finance can be subject to. The seller is seller financing their mortgage to you, right? It's a form of creative finance and seller finance. I think of creative finance as like the octopus and yeah. then seller finance or sub two is like one of the tentacles, right? Dang, I, we need to make a t-shirt of that octopus and like have all the tentacles. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, because that's like the umbrella is creative, right? And then you've got all so your different, freaking you know, smart. watch all 20 videos for each Tentacle. So freaking <laughs> smart. Okay, so number one reason why they would sell to you on creative finance is because you're giving them more money in terms of their purchase price. That's the number one reason I always see I'm paying more money is the number one reason. So then that low cash offer. Then that low cash offer. Yeah. Um, I'm paying them more money. Wholesaler goes in the same appointment. When I first started um, going in and you know, trying to go for 40% of ARV, 50%, 60% of ARV. 
I'd go into 20 appointments off of a direct mail campaign. So I would spend five grand on direct mail. Phone calls Mm -hmm. would come in. I would set the appointment to go see the house. I'd go to 20 appointments and I would typically get one to maybe two contracts out of those 20. And it's because those sellers are like, I need the money in the next 30 days. I'm moving out of town. I just need the money for a down payment on the next house, da, 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 whatever, the, whatever the situation is. Or they inherited the property. We just want to be done with the house. We just want the money. We wanted to separate it between siblings. There's a, a thousand reasons why people will op- accept a 40, 50, 60% of ARV cash offer. But the main thing is they want the cash, all the cash yep. right this minute right. is the main way to look at that. Right. And then um, what happens is I would then go, man, if I started using creative finance, I wonder if I could get one more contract for every 20 appointments. And I was right. I got usually two more contracts, sometimes three more contracts in those remaining 19 leads. And the number one reason is because I would go in after a wholesaler or a cash offer and I'd say, I can pay more money than them the only caveat is that you've got to give me some terms associated with those pay- with with paying you that. So the number one reason that always gets their attention is I'm paying you more money. Mm-hmm. Um, also remember, subject to is typically pain related, okay? And seller finance is typically gain related. It's mm-hmm. pain and gain. Seller finance is like, I want like the lake house I'm trying to buy across the lake mm-hmm. from you. So we can do some events there. There's no pain going on there with There's that guy. No pain. Yeah. And the the ARV of that property is probably four million. Yeah. And he wants to sell it for six million. Yeah. Okay. I immediately like when I first started, like, are you out of your mind? The real estate investor in you is like, no, 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 no. no. Right. <laughs> but the creative investor me goes, okay, well, is there a way that I can make money with this property? Yeah. Right. Does this property actually make more money than whatever the proposed payment is going to be? And is my down payment on that and the interest rate appropriate? If it is, then maybe I can make that $6 million work. I Maybe you guys think I'm crazy. Yeah. I don't think I am because I understand how to structure terms. Would I rather buy a property at $6 million at 0% interest or a property at $3 million at 4% interest? Right. I'd rather do 6 million I, at zero. I have another analogy of this of like, think about a single family home that has a today value of 100,000. I would agree to buy that house for a million dollars. I'd pay a million dollars for that house if I had a hundred years to pay it off and my monthly payment was a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. I'd pay a million dollars. I'd sign a contract right now for a million dollars. Yeah. I told I said this to somebody, they go, Why would a seller, why would you ever pay that much more money over retail? And I go, Okay, would you ever jump out of an airplane with no parachute? If I gave you a hundred thousand dollars and their immediate answer is no, (laughs) Tyler, would you ever do that? Tyler says, no guys. Okay. Would you do that? Make a comment down below. Would you jump out of a plane with no parachute for a hundred grand? Okay. I then follow the people in the audience usually go, oh no, no. Then I go, okay, great. Would you ever pay a million dollars for a hundred thousand dollar house? And they go, no, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? And I go, okay, now let me give you some information. What if I told you the airplane is on the tarmac? You were missing that information, weren't you? <laughs> now, would you jump out of the airplane for $100,000 with no parachute? Yes, 100% you're going to say yes, especially if it's like a baby airplane where you're like three feet off the ground. <laughs> okay, so you look at now the, the analogy here. Yes, I would pay a million dollars for if you gave me a $100 payment, 50-year terms, and blah, 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 and I could cash flow and have somebody else pay the payment down, and I could receive grocery money every single month, right? Um, so the answer is yes, I would pay over retail. And people that are, you know, the Burr investors, 
out there, it's impossible for them to pay over retail. And so they go, you're out of your mind. You don't, you're, you have no equity. What, what happens if the market turns? Guys, equity comes and equity goes. Okay. It always, equity is always coming and going. Okay. And when you buy a property, guess what 99% of real estate transactions have? No equity. Think about all the homeowners that are going out and buying houses on the MLS right now. Are they buying houses with equity right no, now? No, they're paying full price. Oh my gosh. The whole world's going to end because they're buying houses. Guys, they bought the property for a different reason than the equity. Yes, the equity is going to grow, but they bought the property to have their family and grow. And there's other value there than just the equity. For a real estate investor, I am willing to pay a little over at retail because the value proposition is not the equity per se, yet the equity will come, but the value proposition actually comes in from cash flow or tax benefits. It's funny, Pace, you say that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a live stream with um, wholesaling with teenagers. Mm. And, uh, oh, that was good with both your boys, right? Yeah, yeah. neighbor kid, one of my sons and, and, a, and a, uh, one of my partners actually, who's amazing. And he did a live call agent and um, sub two. And, and then we, after the call, I, I plug all the numbers in and he's like, this is not a deal, shoot, because it only cash flowed a hundred dollars. It was almost break even. But the fixed interest rate was 2.8. I'm buying it. Yeah. I said to him, I said, and he, he, he's a wholesaler, right? So he's, he's not ready to keep it. I said to him, I said, you will easily wholesale this deal. Yes. And he's like, to, how? It's not, even, it's not even cash flowing. I said, an investor like Pace mm -hmm. will buy this deal all day long for that fixed 2.8 interest rate. He will and not care about cash flow or nope. the today's value. None of that. Think think about this too. What would you remember the purchase price of that? No, I don't remember. Okay. So in Phoenix, the average purchase price right now is about 400 grand. So let's say I buy a property. It's Virginia. So it's probably decent, you know? Okay. So Virginia, let's say it's 350. Okay. So I buy the property for 350 grand. The benefits of the first three years, okay, I'll break this down. Forget what I said about three years, but the benefits when you buy the property are beyond the cash flow, okay? Cash flow is only one reason why we buy property. You mm -hmm. gotta buy property for cash flow, appreciation, tax benefits, mortgage pay down, and future leverage, okay? Those are the five reasons you buy a property. So $350,000, if I bought the property for 350, the IRS, okay, is going to give me a tax benefit that year if I use accelerated depreciation of $89,000. So that means I can go and do $89,000 of wholesale transactions that year and pay $0 in taxes on that $89,000. That's huge. Yeah. And at the effective tax rate that I'm at, which is roughly 40%, let's say that that saves me $35,000 in real taxes this year by buying that one property. Yeah. Okay, so $35,000. Think about this. I'm going to divide that by 36 months. Okay. Okay. Because let's say I'm not cash flowing in month 1. By the my by month 36, I can guarantee I'm raising my rents. Every year raising rents. Right? Yeah. 36 months guaranteed. Even a slow growth market, you're going to raise your rents minimum every 36 months. Okay. Usually in a slow growth market, it's every 24 months. In a high growth market, you're trying to do it every 20, every 12 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so divide that $35,000 tax savings into 36 months. Okay. $35,000 divided by 36 equals 
I'm making $972 in tax savings every single month for three years because I bought that property. So when somebody says it's only cash flowing a hundred bucks, I'm like, well, then you're buying property for the wrong reason. You bought it sometimes for future cash flow as long mm-hmm. as it's breaking even, but I'm, I'm saving $972 a month in taxes that really would go to Uncle Sam. So instead of it going to Uncle Sam, I get to keep that money because I bought that property. Yeah. And you have the cherry on top of 2.8% interest. Oh my gosh, give me that deal right now. Yeah. Is it too late to buy that deal? I'll ask him. I'll he buy told that me he wholesaled I'll... it in a nanosecond. So oh, I'll of course. ask him if it... Okay, yeah. so yeah. seller finance. So on creative finance, the number one reason why a seller would sell on seller finance um, or subject to is that they're getting a higher purchase price. The number two reason that I see is that, especially in seller finance, okay? In seller finance, in my multifamily world, you're getting a lot of sellers that are selling, like we just got 160 unit in Tucson, $20 million under contract. Seller has owned that property for 40 years. That property has gone up so much in value and he has depreciated out of that. He's depreciated that property, meaning he's pulled out all the tax benefits. Now, when he sells that property, he's got to have a, he's going to have a, a recapture, a recapture. And he doesn't want to do a 1031 because he truly wants to retire. Mm-hmm. So the second reason why seller finance is awesome is because he can avoid a 1031. Mm-hmm. He can create a seller finance note to us and mitigate the majority of his of his capital gains taxes and and his clawback for his depreciation recapture. I mean, so, it's really his only option. He he yeah. cashing out would be a terrible idea. Right. So there's so many ways to to mitigate this as well through trusts and other things, but we won't go into that. But through seller finance he got a higher purchase price than he was wanting. Okay. He was trying to sell for 19.5. We gave him 20 million offer. He accepted the offer. Uh, he gave us 30 year terms because he's like, I don't even need the money. I just don't want to pay it to the, the, ta- the tax man. I want my kids to have the money and have them receive the payments, even if I end up passing away. Without now having to manage the property, because now it's just interest from a loan that they're getting, not there you go. rental income. I mean, the highest. The highest calling in all of the land of real estate is always the lender. Oh yeah, the guy, the, the highest lender. guy on the totem pole is the lender. Yeah, it's why the money. It's the eagle on the top of the yeah. totem pole. Money the, always. That's why you know my end game, your end game is to be the the money, the guy with the money at the at the table, right? Can you because, imagine a bank called what would you what would you call Jerry's bank, Tyler? <laughs> I want a iguana loan. I want a loan. I want a loan. I want a loan bank, LLC. Well, yeah. So the you can get so creative. And that's probably one of the other benefits is that you can get so creative around taxes, speed, price, and it benefits the sellers. Here's my opinion. And I don't know that you agree with this. I I think you probably will. I think creative finance is truly the only win-win scenario in a real estate transaction, except for convenience and and speed on a cash to Mm. offer. If If you remove convenience and speed from a cash offer, the money I make in a cash transaction is money I have to take out of the seller's pocket. Yeah. I think I would agree with that because think about it. You're paying a higher price. There's interest involved. So now they're earning money that way as well. I mean, they're just getting so much more out of the transaction on creative than they would on a load. So yeah, unless that, that, that convenience and speed has to be worth a lot Otherwise, it isn't the best deal for the seller. There's a thousand reasons why a seller would sell, but it usually comes down to their particular situation. And um, 
I think this is also why it's such a crutch is because there's more reasons why a sell, uh, there's more ways a seller benefits in creative finance than a seller benefits with cash. And so as you learn creative finance, it becomes a major problem in your business because your acquisition team or even yourself, I caught myself doing this a lot in my first couple of years. I would only offer creative finance on every deal because I was like, I think it's, I just want to get a faster deal. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to start going directly for the jugular and go right for the creative. And then I realized, oh my gosh, all of a sudden my cash reserves are going down because I'm not submitting cash offers. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, we'll wrap up here in a second, but when you think about right now opportunities for creative, I'm looking at the market and I'm saying, okay, given the day of this recording, in the past couple years, if, if you bought a home, if you're a retail buyer and you bought during the pandemic, and now for whatever reason you need to sell right now, job transfer or whatever, you're probably upside down because- you got to pay closing fees. You got to pay commissions. The market dipped a little bit. By the time you put that property up for sale and you net out, you're, you might not be able to get out of that loan, especially if it was like a, an FHA or a low down loan. You're probably upside down, truly upside down when you net out the deal. So that means what we're doing is we're looking at a list that says, okay, if they bought in the past two years and now they're trying to sell, they're probably a great candidate. They're probably sitting on the market now. They're probably not going to find a buyer because they can't b- drop the price because they owe too much. You know, those are people that can't, they will not fit the low cash offer scenario. Well, I think that really answered this question well. There are lots of reasons why a seller would do it. You just need to understand when they don't fit retail and they don't fit all cash, creative, there's a way you can find a really good solution. Lots of different options, but there's a way creatively that you can still help that seller by paying more and you getting terms so that everybody kind of wins there. Yeah. So just know that when you when you finally, when that light bulb clicks with people, they're like, oh my gosh, I have so many more options with sellers. Yeah, last, last one, and we'll wrap up, I'm so sorry. Jerry alluded to this, but now I gotta realize, we realize we didn't hammer this <laughs> hard. Let's say that a seller wants to sell to you, like I've got the deal Mario, okay? If you guys go on my channel, type in Pace Morby, why would a seller finance, blah, blah, blah. You'll find the video. It's me asking Mario. And Mario says, well, one, I couldn't even get the property sold for 2.7 on a cash deal. And if I did sell it for a cash deal, I would have had to have appraisals and this and pay the broker and blah, blah, blah. I would have walked away with like $2.1 million after my taxes and all these other things. You paid me, Pace, $3 million with no broker fees, I'm mitigating my taxes, da, 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 da. But the best part of all of that is I'm charging you 4% interest on my $3 million. So not only are they getting the sales price higher, but they're also growing and receiving higher um, returns because they add interest to the seller finance payment. So in a lot of situations, yes, I do get some 0% seller finance deals, but I'd say like 85% 85% of my seller finance deals have interest associated mm-hmm. with them, anywhere between 2 to 5%, okay? And those sellers are not just getting a higher purchase price, but they're truly making more money long-term while mitigating some of the taxes they would have in- incurred. So Brilliant. Yeah. it is, I look at it, I'm like, once you understand this, you stop asking why would a seller do seller finance and you go, why wouldn't a seller do <laughs> seller finance, right? That's actually a better way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, we're going to wrap this up. If you guys want to learn more about creative financing, how to do it at a bigger scale, be part of Pace's community. This is a place where deals are happening day in and day out. 
You get the best mentorship on how to do seller finance, how to do subject to, and all the other creative finance strategies. Go to paceandjerry.com. On there, what you'll need to do is put your email in. You'll schedule a call with Pace's team, and they'll sit down with you and see if it's a good fit for you to be part of the creative finance community. And guys, we appreciate you. We're going to keep doing videos like this, so watch out for the next video. We put this all in a playlist, so be sure that you've got that playlist link. It'll give you all of these videos that Pace has done where he's sitting down and just opening up and breaking down all of these strategies with creative. So again, thank you, Pace. Yes. Appreciate you, and we'll see you guys on the next video.